Father, we just give you thanks for today. We thank you for that your spirit is moving in this place. We thank you that you've got a special message and that there are ears to hear and that hearts will be ready to receive this message. We thank you that you've been, you are constantly working. That before we even walked in through the door, the moment we opened our eyes this morning, you were working and you're still working right now. Accomplishing your plans and your purposes and only goodness in our lives. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for your love in Jesus' name. Okay, so we're talking about mountains. What is so special? And I've got an echo. What is so special about mountains? Well, they tend to appear all over the place in Scripture. That's what makes them special. Uh, but no, that doesn't really explain. But you'll see them dotted all the way through. And I'm going to just highlight a couple of mountains here because we're preaching on mountains. I mean, how often have you come to church and heard a preach on mountains? Okay, often, I bet. No, okay. And, and that just ran away from me. And I am having navigation problems. Okay, I think we have a... F- go back for me, Steve. We have got a flat battery. There, wait, there we go. One more. Back. Back one more, I think. Well, forward one. Okay. There we go. Check it out. This, none of this was scripted, by the way. Okay. <laughs> so in the Old Testament, a significant mountain is Mount Ararat, where Noah's Ark sort of landed, let's call it that way. And we see God producing a rainbow, Noah making the first blood sacrifice. The first blood sacrifice. And we see a covenant that God will never destroy the world again through that type of mechanism. We have Mount Moriah is quite significant. It is where Abraham took his son... Isaac, to sacrifice him. It was up on Mount Moriah. And that mountain became the place where, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Those are Abraham's parting words. So he had this encounter with God, or the angel of the Lord, who provided the sacrifice and provided for him up on that mountain. And it was his faithfulness. And then we see Mount Sinai, this is where Moses, it's the Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. It's got a couple of different names. In a sense, we see Moses receiving several encounters with God up on top of that mountain. The most memorable is when he received the Ten Commandments, not once, say twice, <laughs> in a sense. Um, and down in the valley, the locals were just doing their own thing. Um, and it was quite challenging. He had a full encounter with God in terms of the presence of God went past him. He couldn't look on God, but God's presence was on top of that mountain. Not in the thunder and the lightning, but it was just a quiet voice that came past. And then, um, let me just, yeah, this thing has gone dead. Next one. Psalms and the prophets. Um, You see in 1 Kings, a famous showdown. The, probably the biggest Old Testament showdown you see. Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Mount Carmel. <laughs> One against 400. <laughs> Boy, did we show those 400. Well, God did anyway. Um, 
was it 400 or 800? I can't remember the numbers. Was 400 ticket that I've got at least I've got people that are read their Bibles that can correct me. Hallelujah. Amen. Phew. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we see the famous showdown. That happened on top of a mountain, uh, Mount Zion. Now, this is interesting. You see all the Psalms are full of Mount Zion, but David took Mount Zion from the Philistines in those times. And it was actually what is modern-day Jerusalem. It was called Mount Zion at that time that he took it. And then they established Jerusalem there. So it wasn't something that, that, it was something that had to be conquered at the time. Next slide. And I'm just going to read from, from this psalm. There's a lot of references to, to mountains in the, in the psalms. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. In the city of our God, his holy mountain. Beautiful in its loftiness. The joy of the whole earth. Today has been a theme of joy, eh? And the lights just went. Um, and like the hearts of Zephon in Mount, is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. That's Psalm 48. It is as if the dew of Hermon was falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessings, even life forevermore. So the psalmist is talking about eternal life, being bestowed on Mount Zion. You come to that holy mountain, there's life, there's blessing. It's just a place of, of encounter and receiving with God. Next slide. Okay, back. The Gospels. The Gospels, they are so significant little mountain encounters. I think the most, the, the one that stands out the first is when Jesus goes into the wilderness and he's tempted. They're two high place encounters. The second one is where the devil leads him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. Okay, you must be pretty high. That's a high place. I will give you authority over all these kingdoms and all their glory, he said, for it has been relinquished to me. Wow, okay, those are big words. So Adam gave authority God gave, in Genesis, authority to Adam, who then promptly gave it to Satan. Satan is offering it to Jesus. But obviously, it's a, there's a caveat. Now, if you will bow down to me, which means that Satan is not really giving it away. Because <laughs> he's still got ultimate authority if Jesus bows down to him. So it's a lie. But it is a high place encounter of temptation. Then we also see Mount Tabor, in Matthew 17 is where the Mount of Transfiguration took place. That's where Jesus and some of his disciples go up. He leaves them halfway up just below the summit and he goes up. And he, there's this Mount, massive encounter. Um, and Jesus is transfigured into his glory. And a vision of his glory to come is shown in that place. And then he comes down and hits real life again. When the first thing is they want to do is pitch a tent and be seated next to him. Um, Then Mount Eremus is where the famous Sermon of the Mount took place. So he goes up to this mount 
I mean, with these mounds, we're talking about a couple of hundred meters, say three or four hundred meters. They're not that insignificant. I went and had a look at a couple of pictures of these things. They're not like, you know, we're talking about, you know, um, climbing up to Kloof. It's decently high. We're talking 600 meters or whatever it is. Um, and he did his sermon on the mount, which was a significant teaching that sort of has echoed through the Gospels and is known as one of the greater preachers of all time. Jesus covered a lot of things there. The Mount of Olives, very significant. Um, it's where the famous Garden of Gethsemane is located, at the foot of the Mount of Olives. And it's actually where Jesus ascends back to heaven after his resurrection, off the top of the Mount of Olives. Um, And then there's Revelations, the book of Revelation where John uh, sees what is coming. Um, in Revelation 14, we see that Jesus is located in Mount Zion, on Mount Zion. So that's where the throne of God is situated. And then later on in Revelations 21 verse 9, one of the seven angels said to me, I've skipped a little section there. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. You are the bride, by the way. Just thought I'd give you that nugget. Okay, that's the end of the sermon. Jokes, not. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain, great and high, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and the brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper clear as crystal. Revelations 21 verse 9. So, next slide. What is so important about mountains? They are scattered all the way through from Genesis through to Revelations. There are these places of encounter where significant things are happening in these high places. And in the time of the king's these high places were corrupted by the enemy. And the kings were often instructed to go up to the high places and rip down the altars to Baal and to the other gods where human sacrifices were taking place. So there is significance in a higher place, and Satan always goes after these things to turn them around to evil as opposed to good. But what is so special about high places? Well, I'm going to share my holiday with you. So... Over Christmas and the New Year, we go to Timeshare in the southern Drakensberg. And we go to a place called Garden Castle. I think just flip to the next slide. Now you see this thing over there with the arrow at the top. If you can't see it, there's a big mountain there. That's why I told you to move. Okay. That's called Rhino's Horn. Rhino's Horn. It's 3.2 kilometers high. The escarpment there is 3 kilometers high. To hike from the start to halfway and back again is 19 kilometers. Okay, you're climbing vertically 1.9 kilometers. Well, 1 point, oh, I skipped it now. I don't want to exaggerate. I think it's 1.3 kilometers high. Um, 1.23 is your elevation in the hike. So when you're hiking, you're going 1.23 
kilometers up and down again. And I decided that it would be great to do this thing. I'm going to hike it. Okay, there's some history behind here in that I'd been up there twice before, but I'd never made it. So what happened, I went about 10 years ago, and the kids were still young, and I went with my brother-in-law and his family, and we got up to the escarpment just in the neck there, and the clouds rolled over. And it's vertical drops if you go off the cliff. There is no gradient. It's just a sheer cliff. You'll plunge about two, 300 meters. So we scuttled off that thing before we ever got to the peak. And I thought, okay, I'm going to try again. And here and the kids went about three or four years ago. And we got to just below the neck. And that last section is almost vertical. You, you need to go up on your hands and knees about two, 300 meters to get to the top. And they, Anna got altitude sickness, and, and mom wasn't going to leave her behind. Amy, of course, is a mountain goat. And we were with guides, and they just skipped up. And I got to the top of the escarpment, and I thought, no, nah, well, I'm torn in between looking after my family and my mountain goat daughter. We bolted across, went up Rana's horn, scuttled back in about like a couple of minutes, and we headed down. But I never got to the peak again. And I've been staring at this thing year after year after year. I've been, we've been going there for 16 years. And it's just, this is on my bucket list. I've got to do this thing. I don't know why, but anyway. So this year, I had made up my mind, I'm going to do it. So I've put in the hours and hours of training. Yeah. Okay, that would be fibbing now. So I just decided on the spur of the moment, we're going to do this thing. No training, no nothing. Okay, I never said I was the brightest cookie in the cookie jar. I want to just go to the next slide. I want to show you what the press says about this. Cautionary hiking tales. Be prepared. Be very, pre- be very prepared. It's a hard, category hard hike. It's not for the faint-hearted. Okay, next slide. And what is, why is it so risky? Well, I'll tell you why it's so risky, and I've got a list over there for you. Okay, the trail is not always clear. You're wandering up this trail, and it just vanishes. And there's some sections that are on the, the river. You've got to keep crossing the river, and the path with the rains gets washed away. So you do lose. Look, you know you're going up. But sometimes it's not always clear as to which way up is. There's limited shelter and extreme heat. I would say the last five or six kilometers, there is no shelter. There is just no shelter at all. You can maybe hide under a rock with the dussies, if you're lucky, if you can find one, but there's not much up there. And it was hot. When we hiked, it was in the 30s. It's steep, very steep. And the cliff edges. When you get to the escarpment, they're vertical drops. It's just vertical. You stand on the edge and you look down and you just look down. It really is that steep. And even to get up, you're going up probably higher than a 45 degree angle. You've got to go up on your hands and knees. You can't, the last 100, 150 meters, you are scrambling on your hands and knees. There is no path. Um, There's snakes and baboons on the trail. Yeah, baboons were around us. Um, Holly's nodding. 
we did come across a big adder on, sitting on the path, and there's altitude sickness. At three kilometers high, it's quite high. You run out of oxygen. I mean, I hit altitude sickness just below the final climb up to the escarpment. And you get dizzy, and you're battling to focus. Um, there's river crossings. There's a, a couple of fairly decent river crossings. And when we had gone, it had rained. I don't know if you knew, but over December, it just rained and rained and rained. And we had rain, and then a couple of days of sun, and we hiked on the second day of sun. So when we got to the rivers, they were probably about, you had to ford that deep. And it's just these round boulders under your feet. There's no, like, bridge. You've got to cross that river. It's probably about five or six meters wide. Then there was limited access to food and water. Other than the fact that I actually managed to leave our lunches behind on a 19-kilometer hike. Um, yeah, Holly's nodding. Thank you, Holly, for your support. We did have a box of crackers and some bultong. And there were four... <laughs> She's laughing. <laughs> and it's actually quite treacherous. When we were going up, we actually climbed up the river... When I say climbed up the river, we went up a waterfall. She's laughing. And as you're climbing, the rocks are breaking off in your hand because it's all wet and it's crumbly. And that was the last, what, hundred and something meters before you get to the escarpment. Okay, so, so it was quite tough. There I am. Yes, we experienced every, every single one of those things we experienced. It was, we have a word that sums it up. The word is brutal. And that's a family joke. It was brutal. I cried like a baby. No, okay, I'll just strike that off the record. We don't want that posted out. Too late. It was brutal. Um, I actually wanted to quit a couple of times. And um, especially when we got to just below the escarpment, you've got about 150 meters, and you get there and you just look, and it's been steep, and then you look, you'll see, I think on the photo on the right, that's looking down, and the one on the left is looking up. You can see it's just rocks. You are climbing over those rocks on your hands and knees until you get up. And you at three kilometers, you, there, there's no shelter, we've got no food, and um, there's no water. There's no water running in that, well, the water running there is very limited. It was quite tough. Next slide. And then you get to the top. And then the punchline. you still got two kilometers to go. But it's flat. And then you see the peak. That's Rana's horn. That's on top. That's Lesotho now. You've got to hike another two kilometers on the flat. And then it's about 150 meters up that peak on the edge to get to Rana's horn. So you think you've made it. But you're just on an in-between section. You can take it easy. And then you've got the last little climb. Next slide. But we made it. Okay, we made it. Okay. Yeah, okay, you can clap. You've got to clap louder than that. No, okay. <laughs> and I'd like to say it was all worth it. <laughs> and maybe it was. <laughs> Mark's laughing. Yeah, you laugh. It was brutal. And then you realize something. You're only halfway. You're only halfway. I still got to get back. 
And I seriously looked at my phone and I thought, can I bring in a helicopter to get me down off this mountain? It's nice and flat, they can land, because I ain't going to make it. We had a couple of crackers each, five crackers, and a bit of biltong. There's no reception, there's no nothing. Richard, where are you going with this sermon? We don't really want to hear about your holiday adventures. Okay. But there is something about go back, go back, go back. There's something about being on top. It changes your perspective on everything. Suddenly, load shedding doesn't look so important when you're up there. There's no electricity anyway. Um, But your place in the world readjusts. And you just see the world through different eyes. And you're on a path where there are very, very few people. We passed one set of hikers on that. They were going to go doing, they were doing a night hike. Okay. Okay. So I thought I was psychotic, but then you meet, always meet someone who pushes it slightly further than you. Um, so you do see the world differently up there. I mean, what possessed me to go up there? I don't know. There's something inside that says, Go and do it. You know, and you want to push yourself up and believe that you can achieve these things. And I'm patient. And as a team, we got there. And I need to say as a team, there were four of us. Um, Anna had one of her friends who was relatively fit. There was Holly and there was mountain goat Amy. And without encouragement, I probably wouldn't have made it. Because I started to really battle right near the bottom of the scarf. And on the way back, Holly looked after me as well. She gave me a lot of encouragement. And then um, we joined up with the other party at some pools, and we swam, and it was great on the way back. But that's, on the way back is part two of the sermon. Next slide. So where does this go in terms of the biblical perspective, and where did I go with my little holiday stories? And I want to bring us back to the spiritual analogy and significance of all of this. Psalm 24, verse 3. Who then is allowed to ascend the mountain of Yahweh, or the mountain of the Lord? And who is the privilege of entering into God's holy place? Those who are clean, whose works and ways are pure, whose hearts are true and sealed by the truth, those who never deceive, whose words are true, they will receive Yahweh's blessing and righteousness given by the Savior God. They will stand before God for the for they seek the pleasure of God's face, the God of Jacob. Now, this is significant. Back, back, back. Okay. The bottom line. They will stand before God, for they seek the pleasure of God's face. And this is where I want to go today. There needs to be a hunger inside of us. There is a difference between salvation and revelationary encounter with God. Salvation is a gift. You receive it. Jesus died on the cross that we can enter into his presence. The curtain was torn. The veil is open. The Holy of Holies is available for us to go in. Yes, salvation is freely available. Freely, Jesus sacrificed his life because of his love for us. But there's something different between being born again and entering deep into the purposes of God in terms of a revelational encounter. So, 
Yes, we can be born again. Just let's go to the next slide. Thanks. This is where we started from. And year after year, for 16 years, we've been coming to this place. Our own timeshare here. It is pretty comfortable. Next slide. Now, this is what you see from the timeshare. You'll see there's a dam. We go canoeing on the dam. In the background is the mountain. There's a golf course. We play golf very badly. In the back distance is the mountain. <laughs> Holly, stop nodding. <laughs> there are slides. You can have fun. In the distance, behind them, is the mountains. And there is my chalet, and I can drink a beer, staring at that mountain in relative comfort. And yes, I can be at the bottom, the mountain is there, and I'm in comfort. What possessed me to leave that comfort and that entertainment and go up the mountain? Where there's danger, there's heat, there's no liquid, and some poor poor forgot the food. Okay? <laughs> what possessed me to do that? You can't live in comfort your Christian life. That's not what we're called to do. There is a higher calling. Literally, that's a bad pun, hey? Higher calling. You guys got it? <laughs> and I like the word today. That, was it Rose that brought it? Or, can't, I think it was Rose. Where God came down, got us, and pulled us up. Can't remember the exact verse, but that's what I took from it. Where he came down, and the Bible says Jesus descended to us, came off his holy mountain, became a man, and then he reascended back up again. Now he's inviting us to come up. But it's hard. Next slide. Because it's comfortable down at the bottom. And for many years it's been comfortable for us. And yes, I have a limp. Okay, and I went for emotional counseling and trauma counseling afterwards. And there's click in my eye. I, I don't know when the doctor says in five years it, it'll, it'll be gone. It was brutal. <laughs> Are you still laughing? I want to read Jeremiah 29, 13 in context because this is one of the most quoted verses in Christendom. Is it not? Okay, but no one ever reads the last line. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and future, and then we stop. Then you, who's who? You will call on and come and pray to me. Who's doing what? You are going to him. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Are you seeking God with all your heart? Or are you resting and having a beer and staring at the mountain? Tough preach, eh? So, there is an onus on us. We are saved. This does not impact on your salvation in the slightest. Once saved, you're saved. But there is a higher calling to seek God's face and not just settle for being called a Christian. Okay, next slide. Seeking God's face, pursuing revelation and encountering God. John was called by revelation up to the mountain. In the spirit he went. 
And we have an entire book of the Bible from that encounter. When Jesus went up to heaven, He sent us His Holy Spirit from the top of the mountain. We need to be pursuing something more than just coming to church on a Sunday. Next slide, please. But we need a guide. So the one thing I did do right, the one thing I did do right is I got a guide. So we'll call him, I don't want to give his name away, because I've forgotten. (laughs) Sorry, mate. But he was an amazing guy. And he irritated me so badly because he didn't break into a sweat once. And Holly's laughing again. <laughs> he went up there without breaking a sweat. He could have slung me over his shoulders and carried me and not broken a sweat. He didn't carry a thing with him. He had a hat on and a jacket and it was 30 degrees plus. He knew the way. He'd done it Many times before, he seemed to not need anything, but he was there to help us. We never lost the path. When we told him to go on the way down, we then lost the path and got lost. <laughs> but we only, that was only with like five Ks to go. I never told you this. It's our little secret. Um... <laughs> so what if you hack in the dark? It's inspirational. No, not quite. Um, and we ran out of water. The last three or four Ks, I said there's no water. It's a long way to go. When it's 35, there's no shade and no water. So you drink. Your, you f- and he actually just grabbed our water bottles, hurtled down the mountain, filled up the water canisters, came back and gave them to us. And he says, don't worry, I'll fill them up again if you need them. Wow. He said, don't worry about food. I'll just start. No, he didn't say that. But we did give him, we did share out the crackers equally. (laughs) And so we need this Holy Spirit. He's our guide. We don't need to climb this mountain alone. We've got a guide. He's the Holy Spirit. Next slide. Back, sorry, back. I didn't read that verse. But when the Father sends the Spirit of holiness The one like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name. And it ends off by saying, there's the whole thing about the gift of peace. Yeah, we needed peace on that. But having a God gives you peace. That's why I hired him, to give me peace. So be courageous. And boy, did I need that on that eye. I did need it. Next slide. We need the end of this. I see I'm a little bit over. Five minutes. Thanks, I've got time. Okay. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things that are above. Okay, so if you're sitting in the valley, you've got to look up. Set your mind on things above and not on the things of this earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3.2 So there is a call for a higher calling. To look up. Put your mind up there. 
on the things of God. And without faith living within us, it would be impossible to praise, to please God. For we came to God in faith, knowing that He is real and that He rewards the faith of those who passionately seek Him. So there is an activity that we do. We set our eyes on Him and we seek Him. It's an ongoing activity. So the question is, have you stopped seeking God because you found Him? He actually found you, by the way. (laughs) You didn't find Him. He found you. But we need to pursue Him because He's knocking on the door, ready to let us in for a deeper encounter with Him all the time. He is not He's got plans and purposes for you. If you will come and ask him and seek his face for those plans and the purposes. Next slide. This is the last slide. Start the climb. You can sit down at the bottom and we can have a go. And there's nothing wrong with having a round of golf. And trust me, I won't be doing that hike again in a hurry. So I will be sitting next Christmas drinking beer and staring at that mountain, knowing that I got there and feeling really satisfied with myself, even though I still had the limp and the artwich. Seek out God's face, divine revelation, and a personal... We're talking about a personal encounter with God. Is that what we should be pursuing Are you hungering after an encounter with Him? It means pushing in. And it's not always easy to push in to the things of God. Don't settle for second best. It's going to be challenging and it's going to be mighty uncomfortable at times. But you have a God. We have got this Holy Spirit that will take us up and is there to bring us into these encounters deep place with God. If it were easy, everyone would be doing this. I mean, this church would be overflowing with people that are having daily revelational encounters with God. And yes, and I'm probably not one of those, by the way, that I have had my mountaintop experiences with God. And it's not a place where you live. And that's going to be the second preach. You've got to come down from the mountain because there's work to be done. But you also need to get up there because if you don't get up there, you will always only have your own perspective. This is what God is doing. And you're sitting down in your house or you're sitting down in your little village or your resort. And that's what you can see God is doing. But as soon as you go and stand on the mountaintop, you see the world from God's perspective. And your place in it. It does not diminish you at all. This is not about diminishing who you are. It's about having an aha moment and saying, Ah, Lord, this is what you're doing. And I'm so privileged to be part of this action plan that you're doing. It's a different place. But to get there, you're going to have to take a step of faith. And it will be mighty uncomfortable at at times. There were some really nice times on that hike. We swam in mountain rivers. And we saw beautiful things that other people will never, are never going to experience. They just are never going to see them 
the things that we saw on that hike. The view from the top is incredible. You can see all the way to the sea. And time's up. Um, that's not my final point. No, the rapture's not coming. <laughs> Time is up. Oh, only half of us are still here. Okay, that's jokes. <laughs> um, but I really want to encourage you. This is not about your salvation. Your salvation is secure. It's about pressing deep into the things of the Lord and, and looking and having a face-to-face encounter with them. Let's stand and pray.